G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. We're in. We're in, and welcome back to another episode of the Hunter's Campfire podcast. Hey, I'm hey, your guest, Cody hey, Kieran. What a legend. Pow! We're on the spot. Good job. Anyway, that's good. Hey, uh, welcome, everyone. It's uh, it's great to have you back. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to put one has, of these together. It, ha- um, it has so been a while. Be with me as I cop and flutter through this one. Um, we've been dying of all sorts of weird man flu morphed with daycare germs and school germs and whatever so anyway uh woe is me sorry for the break but uh we'll come back uh with a bang inviting cody garen onto the show thanks very much for joining us mate we've been looking forward to this one for some time now uh privilege to come on with you boys so I mean, first question is what is it like to be the most popular man on australian podcasting or yeah. australian hunting podcasting it must be amazing so tell us the journey to this level of popularity <laughs> so the, so the young the young punters can you know aspire to the same level i don't know because i've <laughs> never expected to go as as many shows as i've been on because you because know, the first show i went on was that williams show by the, the hunting connection podcast yeah and oh, like he's he's got a good sense of humor so like i used to send memes to him and I was like, oh, yeah, no, he finds that funny. And I just got a little bit of confidence to start putting it up and give the Senate mate boys some shit. And, and yeah, apparently that people like that and they wanted to have a yarn with me about what I do. And I know that's – I don't know how to explain it more than that. It's all just a fluke, really. Oh, mate, I think it's um, it's great that someone actually adds a bit of lighthearted humour to, to, to what is often, a, you know, uh, probably maybe a little bit overseas at times and um so what's the name of your uh particular meme just for those who haven't have who don't know about it uh so the meme page on instagram is cody's big game shit posting or if you want to <laughs> if you're trying to find it the the handle is big game memes there we go so and uh you've uh i saw one recently what was the most right? There was one that had Will Smith in it. I didn't quite get that one, to be honest. But there was one about it was about uh there was one about um the uh, latest um helicopter cull about the shotguns. Yep. That's one of the years. So is whilst you're shit posting, there there is a, there is more to it than just, you know, pictures of someone going ass up in the mud or something like that. It's you're you're actually making some commentary. So what was the one about the helicopter post? Uh, the yeah, hel- helicopter cull. Well, that was based off um, the latest podcast by Matt, that he did with um, Jake Nicholson when they were talking about the chopper culls in South Australia and yep. how they're using shotguns. Mm. And they were talking about one of the art- research articles that they used was that they were, they reckon that using shotguns out of choppers was more ethical and 
but he bet better to use than well I used the Will Smith beat so well that's that's it sounds like bullshit in my opinion. Doesn't sound yeah. any better than a rifle. That's right. It was something about it was a more was it a more efficient and more Active. wasn't humane. Yeah. What was the name? It was efficient and something about welfare or something like that. Yeah, I didn't... improves welfare outcomes. I think was the other thing, <laughs> which but... is interesting when you're talking about I'm killing something. Yeah. When you're killing <laughs> something. What were the stats that came out just on the helicopter culls uh, in Victoria? Um, they did yeah. a they did a, an animal count and they did a, uh, a an ammo count. And it was something like thirty-five rounds an animal uh, was u- was used in the culling. I, I, don't, mm. I don't even. It was yeah, it was ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was what. something like it was over ten, wasn't it? it was mm. uh, on average, it was over ten shots per deer. Oh, I thought it was in the thirties. Oh. Which basically means that for most for most hunters, they couldn't replicate that because they don't they don't carry more of it. Most hunters don't carry anything larger than ten shot mag. So even if you had a 10-shot mag and a scout rifle, technically you couldn't replicate that. You couldn't shoot that badly. That's what it was, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose I suppose the interesting thing about it is if you think about it from a statistical point of view, it probably is more efficient because I'm thinking about an auto-loaded shotgun, what, a Benelli hanging out of a helicopter, it probably doesn't have a magazine greater than 12 or 13. You know, those, so, so you see when they do those extra-long tube mags on them? Yep. So you, 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 the shot can can only carry, it can't carry as much as a you know a, an auto loader platform with a thirty shot mag. So they're probably shooting less. And I suppose slugs when they hit are hit a lot harder than anything else. So they might you know it might be so technically it may very well be that they're shooting less, and the 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 numbers per uh, efficient you know the numbers per shot per deer are less with shotguns. But it does sound very odd. That's for sure. Yeah, I think one of the statistics they were coming back with was that, like, they out of all the deer that they shot, they did like a. I'm already get the numbers wrong here, but they were saying like, out of the hundred deer that they did the biopsy on, I think it took per deer was three point eight shot shotgun shells. Yeah. To bring to bring it down, and yeah, I was like, there's some other buddy weird, weird numbers going on out there. It just sort of didn't make sense. Mm. Sort of. Of making it better, certainly. I mean, if they, I don't know what they're shooting with, if they're shooting slugs. You would expect that, you know. In fact, when if slugs do hit, they hit with some some devastation. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it's probably a um, it's probably <laughs> a uh, it's it's a matter of statistical analysis rather than you know the, the the fact that a shotgun's better than a rifle. I think it's probably you know that it's uh it's numbers to sh- to, to uh, prove a point rather than. Anything. And I didn't. There was another one before that. I can't think. Of, no, that was that oh, the Will, you... No, was that the Will Smith one? That was, was the Will Smith one. one. That's, that's it. I'm going to move to a different post. What have you got oh. against two seventies? <laughs> what is your problem um, with two seventies? Here I am justifying owning <laughs> owning a two seventy. So so I am um, something like specificity. Specificity. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, is it, is that one what on the... specificity? Um, owning, specific. uh, purchasing a two seventy, or justifying owning it? Um, I was just wondering where that came from. Where's the, what's wrong with two seventy? That's a great color. The you honest truth is, I've, I've got the honest truth is, I've got nothing against the the two seventy <laughs> caliber. 
Here we are making it. Um, it came about. Like, the Center Mate Boys did did a podcast with a buddy gun engineer fella, and like, and he was he was ratting out two seventies. Oh, okay. And then, and then Dan, the the guy who make these t shirts, he messaged me and he goes, "You know who owns a two seventy? Zach." So I basically just take pick on two seventies because Zach owns one. So in the last last podcast he did, I'm I forget oh I'm a bit of an asshole. I forget old mate's name, but live a little is his Instagram handle, and he talked about owning a two seventy. So I thought like, All right, I'm going to pick on you because it's just easy to do. Yeah, cool. yeah I haven't seen I that one. We're going to have more of a problem than that. Seems not. Well, well, I suppose technically it is shit, only shit posting. So. <laughs> It's fun to watch, I have to say. Yeah, mate, we've we've seen our fair share of shit at Zach. Um, I can see the desire to do so, so it makes perfect sense that you've actually started off a page to do so. Uh, (laughs) After all, he drinks servo coffee, so any shit you can sling at him. In fact, you need to just dedicate a whole week of memes to uh, bad servo coffee thrown at Zach, please. That'd be good. Oh, definitely working. I think I've done a couple of those. Excellent. Um, hey, before we um, we dive into a few other things, what's been going on this week, Mark? Anything interesting? Uh, d- 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 I'm going to the range tomorrow. Um, oh, joy. Yeah, nice. well, it's only going to be 35 degrees, which so I might as well just get there and <laughs> like got a concrete That's right. Bunker, yeah, That's right. <laughs> you know, what, whatever, whatever setup I'm going to do tomorrow is probably not going to be much good. But, yeah, I'm going to – so the plan is – um, the BRX is going to go down to 100 flat. Uh, the 308, the the CDR, the uh, Indy is going to go out to 200 flat, and with the 150 Seikos, and I'm going to re uh, recite the 3006. Um, with the well, I think they're 180 grain. Uh. Oryx from Norma. So I'm going to basically, I'm resetting yeah. everything with the ammo. So I'm just, yeah, so tomorrow, and because I was going to do the the 308s tomorrow, but since the, you know, it's going to be stinking hot, I'm just going to do the 100 because I think that's about as all I'll be able to control decently, you know, in terms of um, getting, you know, getting a, a reliable siding. So I'm just going to work with the BRX and the aim point tomorrow at 100 and then. Move up to the two hundred, then move out to the thirty eight six. So while you're, while, you're, while you're chatting, you had an update from the boys at the Pilgrim. It's uh, probably worth throwing out a uh, throwing out an encouragement or two to those that are considering going there. Seems like a yeah. Hell of a well, so I got I got if you've ever seen my stuff in double or around a really good mate of mine, Simon, who's a Toowoomba boy, who I actually met literally hunting at Savoon. I literally met him in the forest back in 210, and we've been hunting as a as a crew since then. He and a mate uh, went down to the Pilliga, and they the I he sent me a text he, on day three. They were at, they were at 22 goats. No, she, I think so, and they just, they, they're, they're everywhere. And well, the best we've ever done as a crew is we did 27. And I think, and that was before the drought. So I think, you know, we're going to get that peak game species um, 
in the next year or two, and then this when this dry starts to really kick in, they'll drop off again. So, um, you know, if you can get out in the next uh, in, in the next little while, get out because I think we're gonna, have, you know, it's gonna be that time when there's the water's still around, the breeding cycles are now really ramped up. Uh, I know that the the talk about how many pigs are getting around is, you know, is in, especially in Western New South Wales. Mm. Goats from big numbers. I don't. I think I. I don't know for sure, but I think the goat market has tanked, and that's always a, a that always translates into a lot less goats being rounded up, which translates into more goats. I mean, you know, around the place. Amazing how quickly those cycles run. Eh? It went yeah. from goats being worth more than 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 lamb, and now it's a bottomed out market. So far, yeah. Well, it's, they were, it's... They were building new abattoirs for goats out west not long ago. Well, they were. It I did, mean, yeah. but it, yeah. I, from my, it, you know, it's it's kind of to me. And this is, I'm I'm like cow cocky or you know, or, or, you know farmer. But to me, Lions. what it seems like, there you go, <laughs> there you go. So maybe you can tell me if I'm bullshit or not. But what seems to happen Oops. is as the drought grips tighter, and farms destock sheep because uh, they seem to destock sheep quicker than destock cattle. They then turn to goats so you know as the as the conditions get shittier and shittier they turn to goats and so what happens is you get a boom in the goat market um because there's less sheep around and then when the rains come again and we've you know we're just cycling off three or four years of good rains the the, the lamb and the sheep market's booming again so they kind of go well what are we worrying about goats and so it seems like the goat market falls out and that seems to be so kind of the goat market seems to you know and the sheep market of course but they seem to run with that drought that boom and bust so am i right or am i wrong the buddy Go to the fun. okay it it sort of more or less depends on on what what the what the feedlots can handle or mm. what the albatross can handle so at the moment like one of the cattle buyers that we deal with, he, they've got their book shut because everyone's trying to destock because of the fear of this El Nino that they've just announced. Yep. So everyone's trying to destock and do what they can and only hang on to a couple of good breeders and whatnot. But because everyone's got the same mindset, doing the exact same thing, like they're just going, they're just they're over, mm. capa- they're over capacity of what they can kill and handle. So therefore, like, there's more people selling. Therefore, they're the bloody money's just going out of the arse in them. Yep. Like, it used to be lighter things under 380 kilo in terms of beef. They used to bring good money, but now they've dropped 40 to 50 cents a kilo. So if it's, they're, they're worth more if they're over 380 at the moment, which, depending on how much feed you got, whether you can make that weight limit or not. Yeah. And why is that simply because they'd rather butcher a bigger animal because... Um... It's a bigger return per animal type thing. Not necessarily, because if you go overweight, they'll they'll dock you per per kilo oh, then okay. as well. So there's like okay. a so from a, about like three eighty to three eighty to about four fifty is the oh, wow. is the good is the good rate range if you go over that four fifty mark. I could be botching up the numbers, but it's roughly that. But yeah, if you go over that limit, they'll they'll take they'll go fifty. They'll take a couple cents per kilo off in the heavy. It goes to more. They charge you to take off per kilo. Because mm-hmm. I mean, uh-huh. I, you know, they've they've created goat abattoirs, and those abattoirs have fallen over, and they've 
sprung up again and that's that seems to be the the cycle of that market mm. Mm. where are you based cody uh, i'm based in around bathurst new south wales oh wow oh, okay just down there oh not down there i was down there in february hunting down there in yeah. february there you go Farming's your full-time gear. Yeah, yeah, running, yeah. running, buddy. Cattle mainly, mainly Angus. We run yeah. a few Lemisons and Murray Greys and Herefords and whatnot, but Angus is the money maker mainly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very nice. Oh, well, that, um, that that explains the rural lifestyle that pops up all over your Instagram. Um, I'm assuming yeah. you're chasing pigs and and deer on your own land. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. Other than the trips that you see to New Zealand and. Don't have too many chamois running around there, do you? No, I wish though. <laughs> <laughs> we all wish that, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hunted uh, down at Trunky Creek, I think it's called. No, yeah. Which is, you know, yes, yeah, yep. south of just well, south of Bathurst on the on a, on on a road that will take you to Goulburn. They told me it's a, it's the old road, but yeah, through there. So it's it was very down, very old long road. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of tiny little locations along that road here, just past Trunky Creek with um, Joe from DPI and uh, Gemma who was working for um, SSAA at the time. So yeah, goats, lots and lots and lots and lots of goats. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, buddy, plenty of goats if you know where to look. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, a, sure. and, a, and a few deer. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's so you, are you north, south or in Bathurst, east, west? Which way are you? Well, I'm like I live in Bathurst, but like yeah, the properties are sort of like are t- more towards Sydney. Oh, okay, sure. And we got another f- properties like towards the west a bit more. Like we got a property out at Ningen that we oh, okay. run a few cattle on. So cool. And it keeps us a bit busy. Mm. Yeah, better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jono. So I'm busy um, very busy with work. And very busy getting ready for Fraser trip, which is coming up this weekend. We're leaving on Saturday. So, yep. What are you doing this you weekend, Cody? On Fraser. Uh, this weekend, I'm probably um, going to try to help the father-in-law, buddy, get some meat in his freezer. He wants to, buddy, try to knock down a few deer. See if we can help want, him out for that. Didn't want to come fishing. Short notice, I know. Oh, I'm a shit of a draft. Oh, you can't miss. <laughs> Fraser, mate, you can, you can catch him with spoons. <laughs> yeah, I well, don't doubt that, but I'll push off one way to fuck that up. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd um, we'd love to see that happen. Um, <laughs> we're uh, we've got nine days coming up on Fraser, which is going to be great. We've got awesome. a few families, a few kids, and um, a few drones lined up. We've even got Starlink coming. So that we can uh, put a big projector up and watch some of the some of the footy that's going around over the time that we're away. So it's going to be good fun. But um, good. yeah, we've got a plan, don't we, to get some slide baits over the back of the tailor and chase some masses yeah. and <clears throat> big sharks or something maybe like that. Target a shark or two. Yeah, it should be mm. good fun. Yeah. So yeah, lots going into planning for that. We've got a yeah a bit of the gear that we use when we're out and about hunting is going to be turned into fishing support. Definitely. I'm thinking the. Um, yeah, no. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the burris will be good for keeping on those dingoes as well in the, in the evening. So. 
I'm definitely had... going to be bringing that along. Uh, oh, oh, you mean the thermal, not the scope? The thermal's right. the thermal's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just be careful. Just be careful what you say saying there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've got some other news as well. Um, so today I popped down to oh, our yeah. target to go and see uh, Glenn, and oh. I picked up, look at this. Hey. So, the orange. Cody, I know you've got, you own one of these. I've seen your post about it. So, uh, if you recognize it, it's a Sour 100 magazine. And for those oh, yeah. of you who, who might recall, we had Byron Young from Beretta, the Beretta um, Gunsmith Workshop Manager, on the podcast. And out of that podcast, we arranged for my Sour 100 to go down and get Cerakoted. And I got it back today. It looks amazing, but part of that was to get the magazine done in plays orange with the uh, the black bottom, which matches the rest of the rifle, and it came out absolutely beautiful. It is stunning. So I'll put some posts up about that. I'm really really happy about how that turned out. So Byron, if you're listening, thank you very very much. Um, and it just shows that those guys at Breda, they don't just do Breda rifles; they'll do any rifle, and they'll do a bloody awesome job. So yeah, it looks it looks awesome. It's all ready for the territory for next year. It looks good. Mm. Ian, you're what uh, audio you, Ian? What you up to? Uh, dropped out. He's gone on mute. No, I've, um, you're on mute. I've even got my own one of. I can't see that. <laughs> it says. You're on mute. Oh, you're on mute. You're on you're mute. mute. Who's on mute? Am I still on mute? No, you're no, fine. Oh, you're good. Are you good? You good? I have this for everyone at work that's always on mute, so I've just <laughs> done myself. I was just going to say, swinging back to the Pilliga and State Forest hunting. Um, Cody, do you get into State Forest hunting, or is most of the stuff that you do on your own land and, and, and out and about, or do you, you, have you sampled it? I've, um, I, I used to do a bit of state land hunting, but like after they sort of started doing the chopper coals in my area, like especially right around the rut time, it sort of buddy left a sour taste in my mouth, so I sort of gave up on it and sort of stuck to the private stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Pennsylvania is one of the big ones near you, isn't it? Um, Pennsylvania is one, but I think Vulcan's the, the bigger one. Oh, okay. So I, was, I, I did... I got a day in Pennsylvania when I was down there. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I've I've never hunted Pennsylvania, but I already have, like I hunted Mount David and Vulcan and yeah, well, I was with the 80, 80 crew when I was in the, in the ADA. Because they're 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 the really well, I mean, you know, the forest we hunt, we tend to for us, we don't go too much generally too much f- further past. Nundle, so those forests. I mean, we know about them, but we haven't really had much to experience. In fact, uh, Pennsylvania was the is the furthest New South Wales forest I've hunted. So, but we know that the, you know they're the ones that seem to get a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, seems super productive those ones down there. I'm half jealous. Uh, <laughs> not that you use them anyway. All right, there <laughs> goes. Um, hey, so you um, obviously a lot of the posts that you've got. You hunt uh, quite a quite a lot of pigs. Um, yep. And we've we've got a, a question that we ask, and numerous different people. I'm going to chuck at you. Um, the pigs out on your farm, 
are they shot and dropped, or do you, are you eating that stuff? And what do you I'm think about the safety of safe, safety of safety of uh, wild pork? From like during the months of August till now, it's usually the feed quality in the ground sort of non-existent. So we're putting hay out to feed cattle and whatnot, and that's when sort of pigs sort of go a little bit more carnivorous. So if yep. there's a buddy beast that's dropped dead, they'll be eating that out from the from the rear end, going in through the guts, eating all the maggots. Yep. So like they stinking quite fouled up. So like I, I don't feel comfortable eating any of those. Like I'll cut a young one up for dog meat, but I personally won't eat one from around here. Maybe yep. out west where they're on the grain a little bit more. Like I might be a little bit more inclined to try one, but I wouldn't eat, eat any of these mountain pigs. Yeah, it's an interesting subject. Uh, yeah, isn't it? it's very contentious. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I've eaten forest pig on numerous occasions, but I mean, it can't. But I've also shot pigs in the pillager that I didn't even like going near when they were dead. You know, they just, just, and that was right um, in 2018 when we we're in the height of the drought, and they you just didn't want to be. They were just, yeah, you could tell that they were. In fact, all of them, it was weird when we were down there because we didn't figure it out first. All of them had a white stripe on their nose. And what we realised, it wasn't a white stripe. It was where the nose, they'd worn all the nose hair off from basically rutting in, in the, the, you know, the hard scrabble ground. So all of them had this kind of worn out face. And um, they had that typical big head, smaller body, which, which seems to happen when they get, you know they they're pretty hungry and they've been eating a lot of carrion. They seem to, no no, they seem to change shape. And the, the head doesn't obviously get any smaller, but the 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 ratio between head and body seems to change. And they they've got big heads and smaller bodies, and they were just you could and the hair was just you know it was just brittle and everything about them, and they were just they were in pretty bad conditions. But then again, so it was in that Pilliga West where we shot a heap of them. Um, there's wild horses in there, and those horses were in, you know, catastrophic condition. You know, they had that um that disease where they uh they start, they collapse on that first joint. I don't remember what you call that, but basically they got so less nutrition in them, their joints start to collapse. So they kind of walk they're like that on their on their own hooves. And the, ugh, man, they look those things look like they're almost comic book bad though. So. When when that condition, you just didn't want to go anywhere near them. But then again, I shot one in the in the in Nunda once, which looked like it come off the farm. You know, other than it was black, it looked like it came off the farm. So certainly, conditions make certainly play a big part of it. Yeah, well, the conditions at the moment, like the um, there's plenty of definitely the pigs have exploded in the last bloody couple of months. Mm-hmm. So there's like like there's 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 a lot of piglets on the ground at the moment. Like I've seen like, pig, like a, um, a sow with probably like 10 or 12 piglets getting around. <laughs> so like when they get a bit bit older, they'll, when they will get four months old, they'll start breeding again. Cause that's when they get old enough to breed. Is it four months old? And that's why there's such a hardy animal to try and stay on top of in terms of pest control. Run there by me again. Does the four mother months. breed after the piglets are four months old or the piglets, once they're four months old, become breeding age? A, a sow at four months old is at breeding age. Oh, shit. Really? Wow. Mm. 
Plus, Mum will be coming to and season yeah, again. Like I, I, yeah. yeah, and a sow will can can have have up to four litters a year, or probably more. Far around on conditions. That's unbelievable. Well, I know goats can have multiple um, seasons in a year. Depend again, it, it's condition based. If they they tend to self-regulate a little bit, but their conditions are that's why that's why they just that it you know it kind of it builds and builds, and then all of a sudden you get this mass population because it just comes up, and once they get to a certain level, they you know it, it exponentially grows and grows and grows. And I, I what do you think it's because the mild winners kind of kick that on as well? Yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to tell. It's been, it was a bit of a weird winter. Like, it wasn't super wet, but, yeah, it's, it sort of go, comes and goes with the conditions. Like, last year was incredibly wet, and that sort of made a lot of lot of ground inaccessible. And so that sort of gave things buddy, a chance to be left alone and undisturbed to buddy, just to get down and boogie. <laughs> For pigs to be pigs, in other words. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Into it, yeah. rooting one way, rooting the other. That's right, rooting, rooting, yeah. rooting, rooting while being rooting. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a meme in that. Yeah. Just writing this down. Well, that was like hey, with Ian at um, that Glenninus trip for the the original slam. The number of pigs that we saw, and most of them were the smaller pigs. They weren't very big. They were all young yeah. and lots of piglets. So it was crazy numbers. Just mm. hundreds of them. Yeah, I mean, this is a block that. Um, no one lived on, so the odd hunting group went out there, <coughs> but there was no one actively feral controlling it from what we could tell. Um, and another property we have access to, uh, just down the road about 10k's, um, similar terrain, similar everything. Um, we did see a pig, I saw, I, I saw, saw three, guys, I saw, saw three. three pig. I mean, yeah, and we didn't see any. And it's just down the road, but you know it's the difference between someone on the on the land looking after the ferals um, compared to the, the block that's just left to go wild. Eh? That was a huge. Yeah, you know, I'm like I if I see a pig, I I usually try to make the active effort, try to knock it over. So there's me chasing them. There's a pig dogger who comes onto the places and he'll he he'll catch a few. And then meanwhile down the road, I've got the uncle and cousins there. They set up a pig trap, and I think they call about thirty in a week. There during like the early, late autumn, early winter time, like and yep. they were, pigs are just absolutely plowing the plowing the pace up. You reckon someone pulled a tractor through it? So with the and so what? And they just shooting them in the uh, the trap once they caught them. Yeah, yeah, buddy, just yeah. Shoot him in the trap, drag him off, re- reset it, and wait, wait yeah. for the next mob to come along. That'll be some. I mean, that that's just a, a, you know a truckload of word just to dis, disposing of that. You know that that's just a huge bit of you know, dragging thirty carcasses out, trying to figure out where to dump them, so, and then and I suppose and that's a perfect pig bait for the for the rest of the pigs around too. Yeah, no, well, that's that's. If they find we usually um my um when I set traps I usually try to use corn mixed in with molasses and use that as a bait because they, they like to get the sweetness yeah when especially when like the only eating muddy rough stuff like all the time you give them a bit of a t- sweet tooth they'll chase that pretty good 
Mm. So, well, oh, yep, go, go in. I was just going to say, answers that question. We've got another one in the, no, I'm not going to eat at camp. Um, I know there's people out there that do, and, and uh, I guess, like you say, it depends on where it's caught. I'm just interested now in the science of it, and um, we'll have to find someone to come and talk to us about um, what the actual bad stuff is, because um, um, you can get pretty ill, from what I understand. Yeah, well, one one of the things they talk about, especially they they raise awareness in the pig dogging communities, um, brucellosis. Yeah. And then yep. up, I think up in the territory, they were talking about swine fever as a potential risk yeah. coming up from, from Indonesia. Well, that's – was that when we were up – when we were in the territory, is that what they were worried about, Ian, or was they were worried about was, something? Uh, Japanese encephalitis. That's right. Like that. yeah, that's right. It was a mosquito about. one, wasn't it? The mosquito-born yeah. one they were really worried about at the time. Yeah. Uh, worried about well, people bringing that. Water. No, yeah. they worried so, about – So, um, Cody, what are the signs then of brucellosis? Like I, you hear about it, but um, like what 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 does Bruce? Do you know what brucellosis does to the animal, and do you know what what it does to a human if they contract it? Do you got, got any idea? I got a rough idea. Um, I don't know what it exactly does to pigs, but if a cow catches it, like say, like you got a young heifer, like it'll abort the first calf that it has. Oh, okay. So it'll, it'll they'll, so they'll have a stillborn calf and they'll leave it out. Out in the paddock, like the stillborn, and that's all, and that's how that'll spread if something comes in contact with that stillborn. Like I think, if something comes and eats that stillborn calf, and then they can yeah, it. yeah, possibly. Like I, I could be getting all this wrong, but I'm no. That's one of the things that happens. But in saying that, if they might, if yeah. the second calf, they might be fine. But it'll get yeah. to, it, it'll it'll sort of. Yeah, like the yeah, you get the abortion going. Um, as far as humans go, I'm told that like the symptoms may like come across as like a flu-like symptom. Yeah, and then yeah. it just progressively gets further out. Like it might it might turn arthritisy. Like you've probably got a listener right now saying, "What a load of shit!" This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And <laughs> oh, no. be corrected Mate, on that I, sort of thing. That's only then you're in big company, so don't worry about that. <clears throat> um, well. <laughs> I'm um, just on the health.new uh, New South Wales website, and it says, What are the symptoms? And the first one says, Brucellosis typically begins with flu like illness. So you've got that spot on, mate. Go, Cody. Knows yeah. shit. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Fluked it again. <laughs> shit, but, shit posting but, and medical advice. <laughs> it must do more than that, though. Surely brucellosis doesn't just give you the flu. What's the long term no, impact of that on a human? So it says it begins with flu like illness. This may include fever, headache, weakness, drenching, sweats, chills, weight loss, joints and muscle pain, and generalized aches. Inflammation of the liver and spleen and gastrointestinal or respiratory symptoms may also occur. In mm. males, the testicles may also become inflamed. Oh. Oh, bigger ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it says who are at risk. Um, it, it says pregnant women must. Um, not uh, not going near them. So yeah, those vulnerable to severe disease, such as pregnant women, should avoid all contact with feral pigs, hunting activities, and pig hunting. Mm. And it says thoroughly cook meat from feral pigs and other game before eating. Freezing, smoking, drying, and pickling do not kill the bacteria that causes brucellosis. Mm. Yeah, well, I got pulled up um, when I was at Nundal. Um, I was having a yarn with the ranger who stopped me, so I was wandering up the road, and. Um, I just happened to have a leech on the, on the side of my leg as I was talking to him that he pointed out um, 
And um, he said, uh, I'd be really worried about catching brucellosis from leeches because if they've come off pigs, then that's how they transmit the disease. I thought that was interesting. I hadn't really considered it. Hmm. Um, now, another way is um, we, I was, as a growing up, like when you, you hear about it, we always told it if you got cuts on your hands and you go yep. out with the pig doggers because the, they like to use the knife, or you, yep. and you get them mixing the blood inside the cut, that's another way to get, to get it transmitted through. It's like the open wound mm. through the blood, through the spilled blood from the pig. That's what I've, I'm because I have heard that I have heard that you know it's 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 transmittable through you know basically that's one of the things that you know the importance of hygiene around that. So it says in Australia, people may may become infected through direct contact with tissues or body fluids of an infected animal, such as feral pigs or dogs. The risk is greatest when a person has skin cuts or grazes that come in contact with infected tissues and he's, bodily fluids. He's, he's, he's Mate, reading you're killing it, it tonight. He's, uh, that's right, he's <laughs> reading it, and he's going, oh, <laughs> well, 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 let me think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shuffle, shuffle, shuffle through the pages. <laughs> that's it. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, well, I reckon. Cody's <laughs> killing it tonight. Uh, I, I'm just reading also that inflammation of the inner lining of the heart chamber is one of the worst and most serious complications of brucellosis. Untreated, yeah. it can destroy yeah. the heart valves. And is the leading cause of brucellosis-related deaths. Yep. yep, that doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. yeah so that's why I won't eat a pig anyway. Well, I won't either, mate. I, I uh, we, but we have the debate from time to time. Um, and saying that, like when I first, when I first moved up to Queensland, my neighbour offered me a, a, a leg of pork, um, and I later found out that it was wild pork shot on his property, but he was a cropper. So it was something hanging around in the sorghum in the wheat, um, you know. So it was probably living off a plant-based diet, and it was all right. I didn't mind it at all. But um, yeah, I those sorts of things, I, I won't have an issue eating. Like if, say, if Lawson White from Bale and Scale and Barbecue, like, but he offered me a bit of a big, I, I won't turn it down because I know he likes he to have a doing. bit of clean meat and knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I certainly wouldn't eat those pigs on the territory. Person. Huh. Well, that big old sow didn't seem unhealthy. No, it was a big pig. And it must have been yeah. eating something to get that big. That's for sure. She's a protein. Yeah, she's eating a kid. <laughs> oh, she's got buffaloes to chew on. That's right. Chew on buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big animal. So, yeah. That was huge. Hey, so, Cody, let's, um, let's uh, ask you some more questions. Um You've done, from what I can tell, you've done quite a bit of uh, hunting off the farm as well. You've, you did yep. a, you've done at least one New Zealand trip, from what I can tell, and there's a, a reasonable array of um, trophies on the wall behind you. Um, talk us through some of that. How was New Zealand? That was a couple of years ago, I guess. Now, yeah, well, um, I did a DIY trip for Shammy in '21. That was with my mate Brendan Cook. Like, it was like he was doing those those buddy those COVID times. Yep. And he messaged me out of the blue. He's going, like, hey, like, I heard this rumor's going around that the Kiwis are going to open up the borders. Like, if they open up, do you, do you want to head over and hit the hills? I was like, oh, I just hadn't, I just had a newborn kid. I'm not too sure about that. And I was talking to the partner about it. She goes, oh, what type of trip would you just said, I'll be DIY. She goes, oh, well, that's not going to cost a lot. I reckon you should go. 
So don't radio, so we. <laughs> so said I radio, so I can. They announced to open up the borders. So right we purchased our tickets, started doing a bit of research, picked a spot, flew over, got, got in the chopper, buddy flew up the mountain, and then probably as soon as the chopper went over the horizon, a pair of chamois was buddy running across the hill in front of us. Buddy, I ran up and shot one with the rifle, and the other one hung about, and my mate got it with the bow. Really? So How many he, days got the next <laughs> Oh, well, um, well, I'm going to be there for three days just because it um, would have been there a bit longer, but the weather was going to turn turn on us. So we went to be up there for three days, but we only ended up spending like a morning, a full day, and yeah, and an afternoon there. Then we sort of got out. But so yeah, I got one. One was a nanny, and my mate got the kid. So that was a bit of bush meat for the for camp. And then, yeah, the next day we were sitting up on top top of the hill, enjoying the scenery, cooking a bit of breakfast, and my mate goes, there's a chamois walking towards us. You go, bullshit, where? And he goes, he pointed out, and he's a, he's a buck walking towards us. And he goes, rock, paper, scissors, all right? Rightio. So he <laughs> he went scissors, I went rock. And Yeah, um, and it, that was late May, so it was during the rut, and apparently chamois got a habit of, being like being quite curious if they see something during the run. They're quite skittish all the other time of year, but if they see movement they think could be a nanny, they usually come charging over. So it saw me fumble about getting the rifle ready and come walking towards us and you know, I think I took a shot at hundred and eight metres off the shoulder and dropped it on the spot. And yeah, like we and after all that we got back down, I took it to the taxidermist and I said, Oh, have you measured it? I went, nah. No idea how big it is, but I'm. It's my first chamois buck. I'm not going to complain what it is. And they put tape measure on it. Went over ten inches. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, and like I'll, I'll put that up on the socials, and people are like you're you're fucking. Not, you're not going to find a chamois buck better mm. than that ever again. Yeah, that's a good looking picture. Um, the chamois, anyway. Uh, what what um <laughs> you said you, you you said you picked up uh one for camp meat. What did you think of it? I assume you ate it in the end. You didn't just yeah, um, yeah. Well, Brendan brought brought up some um bacon that honey bacon. So I was like mm-hmm. bacon the way he drenched in honey. So yeah. he cooked that in his jet boil and then like used the the fat of that to sort of to cook it. And like I thought it was I, I like chamois. I thought it was quite good. I reckon mm. tar's pretty good as well. But like there's not been a a hard hunted animal that I've eaten that I've not been disappointed in, except maybe the first amber steak I shot here was pretty fucking tough eating to get. Yeah, I was over there um, with a group 2019 and chamois were around, but um, we were told they tasted like shit, so we didn't even bother. Uh, there were no, I mean, surely if a, a, a 10 inch buck walked through camp, we'd probably have a go at it, but. As far as getting one for meat, we were told not to bother. They were um, pretty ordinary chew. So I haven't actually spoken to anyone that's eaten them, so that's interesting. No, I enjoyed it. And um, my tar that I got, I, I shot a 12-inch bull, and, like, and the guy was like, Dad, buddy, don't eat tar. It's going to be pretty shit. And I was like, well, I want to try it. So 
when we finish caping him, I'll knock a backstrap out of it, and we'll when we get back to camp, we'll fry him up. And he cooked it up, and it was actually tender. And Luke, the guy, and he came back to me. He goes, "I take back what I said. Like this, this is an exceptionally good animal. Like they're normally not this good eating. They're usually a bit more chewy, but no, we fluked it on this one, especially for a twelve-inch bull." Mm. Nice. And um, plans to return? Um, one day. I'd like to get back there one day, but I haven't made any sort of plans to yeah. do that as of yet. I'm just sort of poking away at the farm life and the family life and hunt, hunting locally for the minute or I sort of things get a bit more quieter. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as um, jumping over the ditch and, and doing a DIY hunt, how did you find that fairly easy to organise and manage? There's lots of people that dream of doing it. A lot, a lot of people don't do it because they don't have the courage, I guess, to take the risk and organise the choppers and, and go and do all of that. How did you get on? Well, I um, did a DIY hunt when I turned 18 and went, did the North Island for Seeker Deer. Yep. And I just got my ass absolutely handed to me just because I had no idea what I was doing. But he didn't know, like, just wasn't aware of how the hunting works over there because I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, like, you, you, you hunt the fringe because they'll be chasing feed and that's just not how seeky deer work. I never saw a deer the whole time I was there, so that didn't work out to us. So when I returned, I went through a guide for the tar and sort of I think I recommend if you've got the ability to go guided, do it because you can learn things from the guide like, on how to glass and find animals and just like what what things to pick out. And then I sort of transferred that into the next DIY trip for the chamois. And like I asked a lot of people, but he hit up a lot of people about like, I like, I don't want your secret spots, but can you just give you an idea of what areas to look for? Like the late Michael Gibson, like he gave me a, plenty of places to look at and gave me plenty of tips. I even hit up Remy Warren. He gave me a, a region to look into. And that's sort of how he narrowed down the area that we ended up going was just through asking through the socials and just getting tips off people. And I mm. think one of the next best things you can do is probably talk to an actual chopper pilot as well because they're flying in and out all the time. They they see the animals, they're dealing with hunters, so they good, they have a wealth of knowledge themselves. Yeah, I agree with that statement. Um, when we organised a trip over there, um, we were told to go with a reasonable amount of flexibility because when you show up at the, at the, the chopper hangar and you tell them where you want to go, They'll be the first ones to tell you that there's been hunters there for a week and they've just dropped off a couple more and should probably go somewhere else. They know who's been where and who's, you know, you want to have an idea so that you end up going somewhere that you know there's going to be, you know, reasonable animals. So you've got to do that research. But having four or five different options is um, a lot easier than um, being wedded to one that you've planned before you even leave. Um, the chopper pilots were a wealth of knowledge for us. They flew us over different huts and areas and showed us what was going on. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, well, I do, the chopper company, I think I dealt with Haas chop, Choppers. I can't yep, remember the good. company. Yep, a Greenstone but, Helicopters out of Haas. Yeah, no, that's just, I think so. But, um, but yeah, like, who I, like, I, mean, I like emailed them, so I go, hey, like, we're looking at this area here. Like, what are your thoughts? And they came back to me and goes, like, yeah, no, nah, you can, we can get you there. Here's three spots we can drop you off at. Pick, have it, pick which one you, you like. So we got onto the topo maps and had a look and 
picked on one that we liked. I said, yeah, we'd like to go here. He goes, you're in luck. No one's been there since February. So you sh- and you're the first ones to book in there for a good while. So there should be plenty of game get, get around for you. And right. yeah, I think like we saw like we were chasing like six or seven chamois and we were seeing tar on the op- opposite mountain. So like it was, it was a prime little spot that we, we got into. Mm. That's good. Eh? Mountains are big though. Nice. Oh yeah, big mountains, but like that's all part of the fun. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Is there um any other countries you want to go and hunt? You look to Canada or the US or anything like that? I'd like to get back to America. Like I went hunting in Illinois back in twenty seventeen, hunting white tail. I'd never got one. But I'd like to get back there and I don't know, if I had the money I'd like to get a doll sheet. If I had the money and the time, but yeah, like any, any of the, any North American game, I'm, I'd be keen to go. I'd like to go back to Croatia and have another look around there. I went bear hunting there in 2019 and never saw a bear, but like I, I like the, the culture and I like the the scenery there and just how laid back everyone was. So I'd like to go back there maybe for a mouflon or European boar or something along those lines. Like, Maybe even roadie. Like I saw plenty of roadie when I was there, so I'm not against shooting one of those. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, those that part of Europe is just just looks really fantastic, you know, like through Croatia and Romania and all those places like that, with the bear and especially with the the big European boars. So that's and it's just wonderful looking country too. Yeah, and I was pretty breathtaking like and it was weird because like you we were like because we were hunting at night so we we're hunting with like night vision scopes and thermals bears coming into the bait pile so like you're up in the snow you're freezing your ass off during the night but then like during the day it's like oh we'll go we'll go downtown and you drive two hours down the mountain and you you get around in t-shirt shirt and shorts because it's sunny and you're on the coast so uh, that was a bit different so Tell us about what's behind you on the wall. Well, where would you like to start? Well, my, people are listening, so you pick which ones which ones you want to you want to kick off. And the fellow looks certainly nice. What I can see of it. Yeah, well, that fellow buck there—that's my first ever fellow buck, and I happen to get that with the bow. Sure. Oh wow! So yeah, I got um my good mate Nick Kilby. I got him onto a a ten point stag red stag a couple of weeks before and i was like rightio get your bow out you, you're coming out with me to hunt fellow do you I said rightio so it was easter weekend i can't quite remember it might have been tw- it would have been 2017 as well hell when did that and like he like he had some prime like not genetic wise like they're not buddy gonna be breaking record record books or anything but like just like plenty of the good good heads and like and just non-stop croaking action like they've they've not been harassed by outside hunters or other shooters it was pretty good so like you'll get multiple opportunities in the day to draw your bow back so we started friday didn't get anything saturday didn't get anything sunday was decided to take a break and then he messaged me in the hour just like oh do you want to do a quick arvo hunt you see if we can get one with the rifle i was like yeah, right, yeah. So I took the rifle and thought about it and I was going like, 
I really want to get one with the bow because that's what we've been doing most of the weekend. So I'll hunt with the bow for the afternoon. But if there happens to be a good buck pop out last night, then I'm not against switching to the rifle. So I toted the rifle and the bow around. We got to a spot. He started rattling the antlers. We're sitting down watching him going, he goes, oh, there's a buck right there. I'm going, all right, I'm looking down the hill. And he goes, no, you're looking in the wrong spot. It's right there. And it's like 30 metres away. Hmm. Like, crap. Well, I had an arrow knocked. I just needed to draw back. So it started walking. And luckily, its head went behind a bit of a bush. So I drew back. It kept walking, walking broadside. And I'm just going, I don't know how far it is. I'm going to say it's 20. So I put the 20 pin on it. Double lunged it. It took off. Blood everywhere. And then... I ranged it and it was actually 10 metres. So, you know, we, we tracked it and it, was, it didn't go probably 80 metres and it was piled up. And yeah, that's and that's how I got my first fellow buck. Yeah. There certainly looks like there's some good reds behind you, too. Yeah. Um, the one, this one just here, it's got, it's got a bit of a wood panel. That's my first ever red stag. And he's a 13-pointer. I shot him when I was 15 with a 22-250. Went out and, yeah, just I knew there was one getting around at the back, back of the house block like on mum and dad's place. So I went out and I had a roar. Like I like to roar him in. And I think this is probably the reason why. I was trailing them all behinds and I let out a roar. And then I heard a roar behind me, and I looked down. Here's this big, big stay buddy stomping its way towards me. My buddy shaking and carrying on, and managed to line, line, line him up and shot. He stumbled and stood there for a second. I put another one in him, and he dropped on the spot. And yeah, buddy looked at him, happy as could be. Buddy sprinted home, buddy to get the old boy. Buddy come give me hand with it, and he gave me hand like and. Money, no matter what happened that week, right? Nothing was getting taken away from me. I got me first ever red stag. And uh, when I cleaned him out, an interesting thing about it, I'll take a photo, probably put it up later just to show people. There's a bit, there's a hole near the right coronet. Huh. And there was a bullet. There was a bullet lodged inside of it. Yeah. No. I pulled it out later and I wait, put the, because I used to reload my own bullets as a kid, like reload the 22 like. That's where I did that rather than do actual homework. But yeah, like I could wait and there was a it was a forty five grain No, it was, it was a thirty five grain bullet. I think someone's already had a cracker at it with a twenty two or something. Yeah. And it looks like yeah, there's directly behind you. I can't quite see is it is a fellow. Yeah, there's a fellow there. Yeah, yep. well that one directly bought that one there, that's a that's um a fellow that guy Shot out of a bachelor mob. I, I, I that's videoed the, that too, so that's that's, that's on the film, one you, that shot. You, that's the one you self filmed that you got up where you smack it on the shoulder. Yep, rolls around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I got. Yeah, that's one I, I um self filmed last year. I just happened to have the camera and whatnot. Like that's in that's on one of the YouTube videos. If you, if anyone goes looking for it, more well, it's on my Instagram too. Actually, there's yeah, I saw it there. Like you see yeah. a bit. Yeah, the big big mob of fellow deer, and I managed to pick pick him off on the side. So, so that's that one. Was, 
There was three or four nice bucks in there. Oh yeah, it was a it was a good good mob of them. Mm. That he. And is that a samba to the? I can see, or I, I can no the other way. There's a there's an antler there. I can just see part of it next to the red there. So we got a that one's a goat. That's a twenty-seven inch billy goat. Nah, yeah, just up there's an antler. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that what's what am I looking at there? That's another red stag. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can just see that's, one beam. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that that stag. Oh, I shot that for the um, Central West eighty-eight hunting competition hmm. a couple of years ago. Where like they it was the sort of. If you go out on the weekend, shoot a couple of foxes, shoot a couple of pigs. Oh, okay. You met up at the pub mm. and you brought them in for the weigh-in like the Kiwis do. Yeah. So that was the stag I entered. And I think he was, I think I may have been 128 kilos dressed when, we, oh. when they weighed him in. Oops. But he's, he's uh, as I don't know, growing up now, I've known he's, he's only a young head. Like I probably could have let him go a bit longer. But at that time, do, I, was, I didn't know much. Did it involve kids, or is it just a community hunting comp? It involved, it, like, it involved kids. Like, if kids, kids had to um, like have all the buddy proper licensing and whatnot, like if yeah, you sure, were sure. hunting on mm. Crown land, like <laughs> you had to prove that you had your R license and show that you had like, which forest you had booked to make sure you're, like, you're not breaking any rules. Like, it, only, it only ran for three years because the guy that ran it, Got sick of running it by himself, and the ADA sort of lost interest in doing it because they wanted to go down to do samba hunting on the long weekend rather than host a hunting competition. So they sort of gave up on that. But I would be a big fan if it got revived and got going again because it was a good way to meet up with people and the amount of big balls that people were bringing and weighing in and whatnot was just insane like a huge amount of pigs. Where was the weigh-in? It was here, here in Bathurst. Yeah, in town. In town, yeah. And what was the what was the general community feel about it? Well, it was behind they. It was held behind one of the pubs in the industrial area at the time, so no one oh. really saw it unless they went around the back to go look for it. So, like the general public didn't really know about it, didn't really know it was a thing. Like unless you were part of the hunting groups on Facebook. They didn't know it existed. Yeah, right. On. Yeah, I just think they're great. You, you see um, all the time, it's a bit, a bit different in New Zealand. Um, you can take a young hunter along with you under supervision, like up here in Queensland. Um, no license. Uh, you're not even allowed to touch a rifle unless you go to a range under supervision of a range officer. You can't take your teenage boy out, shoot 22. You can't do any of that stuff. In New Zealand, you can do quite a bit of that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I grew up over there. You know, you, you, you go bunny busting after after school with your dad or something like that under supervision. It was absolutely fine. And now you, you see so many community hunting and fishing competitions, you know, really well sponsored, um, lots of participants, and they, they do a good job of cleaning up a whole bunch of barrels at the same time. I think it's yeah, fantastic. they did have a, a junior category. Yeah, they did. It did like they had a category like best fox, best heaviest pig, buddy, best tusks, heaviest red deer, heaviest fallow deer, buddy, most foxes, buddy, best junior trophy taken, and 
most carp. Like they had a good good selection of critters for buddy people that have a go at to to bring into the weigh in. Mm. What a waste what to buy fish hunters. The so. They get taken away. Sorry, sorry, John. I was going to say, what a way to inspire the future hunters to have pumps like that. Yeah, like I said, I'd like, I'd like to see that make a comeback. But no, we'll see what happens, I suppose. No, it's mm. a, a, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's there's uh, there's a couple of pig competitions like that getting around in Queensland, but because they're all private land, you know, it, it by its very nature, it's kind of you know just limits who can be in it. So the one that you know where you had the option of both public and private. Private, I think, really just adds to the more community component of it, and people can become involved. And I like the fishing too. I like the fish or carp, you know, bringing a carp as well, which is fantastic. But um, that's a that was a good, yeah. It's a, it's a shame that it's no longer running. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, no, I think they um they try to get one of the clubs in Orange to take it on, but they just it just never got got going yeah. again. So, mm. so. I mean, it's, I just think those things are really wholesome and uh, allows people on the fringes to get involved and have a look and, you know, and satisfy some curiosity. Um, good for for those people to get involved. I see also on a bunch of your Insta posts, you've hosted quite a few people. Um, in fact, I think you stated on one of them that you've hunted quite a bit with Kajita. Um, and I noticed um, that you helped in, another young girl out that she was coached that she was coaching um, to come out hunting. I, I don't know if it's private land or on your property or not, but um, you're obviously doing your bit there to help new hunters get involved and and uh, and promote the sport as much as you can. Yeah, well, um, Kaz is a very, very good, good close friend of mine, and I knew about Lana, and I knew she was she, she was a, she's a taxidermist, and not she's never been hunting. Mm-hmm. Oh really? And I, oh. yeah. So I thought I'll go. Like she, she wants to get into it. Wants to give it a crack. So I sort of, really said, hey, like if when you want, like I'll we'll, we'll try and get you out and teach you. But in the meantime, Cads took her under a wing and took her to all the the lady shoot programs that Buddy Cads does and got her learning. And so I messaged Cads gun like, hey, it looks like she's getting good with the shooting. Do you want to bring her out here? One weekend during the rut to get her buddy boots dirty. She said, "No, no, no." She sounds excited. She's keen for it. We'll we'll do that. So we, I took her out for a red deer hunt. We'll we'll chasing roaring stags all morning, but we just happened to bump into a pig, and I thought the stag's pretty on point. The pig doesn't know we're there. It's in shooting range. I think like this is probably the best opportunity for you to. Get something, and you know you're you're doing a favour to the environment if you if you take it. And it took her a minute to sort of get close because she was used to shooting off the bench. She never shot off hand or off a tree, so it was took her a bit of coaching to get her to do that. But yeah, she got her first pig, and she was over the moon by it. And yeah, I think Kaz was just as over the moon as she was. Hmm. Mm. But yeah, as far as like taking other people out, like I I enjoy t- taking new hunters out or new people out and just enjoying like being being that bit of a guide there for that short period. No, it is good. It is good. Do you um do you support or or uh, are you part of any hunting clubs these days? You talked about ADA before. 
I think that sounded like a past tense. Um, where, where are you these days? Um, I'm part of the only club I'm really part of is that um the hunting club. Oh yeah, where yeah. well they they do all the giveaways for for hunts in Australia and New Zealand and give gear, gear away. That's the club I'm part of. But yeah, like I used to be um I I left the ADA with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth just with way things went. But we won't won't go into that. But yeah, so I'm not buddy. I'm not part of like any big sort of club where they sort of was the hunting club does do big group hunts and stuff like that, but I'm not part of like a local club, so to speak. Yeah, right. Yeah, they 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 put on quite a bit of stuff. Um, I joined that club probably six or eight months ago, um, and I found it quite interesting just to follow along and see that what they were doing. Um, I kind of liked it because he was based up here in Queensland as well, so it's a good chance to support them locally. Um, but you know, he's obviously built a pretty good base around what he's doing, <coughs> and he's um he offers yeah, some pretty I'm, good value I'm, to the members. I managed to win a a gift voucher. From for inland hunting properties. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yes, I jumped on that. My buddy got organised to go to a block at Texas in Queensland. Yep. Yep. But he trying to, yep. trying to find shittle deer, and everyone thought I was mad. No, was like, they're there. You know, you're not, you're not going to find shit there. It's going to be hunted out because it's one of these inland hunting properties. They, they get hunted fairly hard. I was like, oh, well, like it's, it's the only new species I can sort of see on the properties that I haven't had a crack at yet. There wasn't any rooster properties that I could see, so I will go try one of these chittle ones. And, you know, first morning, my mate got a spiker and I got a knobby. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> oh, well, I've seen them on the side of the road there going through Texas. Cause we plenty of them on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. it's where we go when we go into New South Wales. Generally, once you go in and the... State forest you go through across right there, so there's plenty yeah. around there. There's actually, I, actually... I believe, a, a pretty well used hunting block down there for one of the clubs. On might be the Gold Coast Club, We've got a place on there where they do a lot of chittle hunting. So there's certainly a good population getting around. Yeah, like, and I can. I bumped into old mate from the hunting club down at the Deer Expo, and he recognised who I was, and he he was telling me that like when I told him that I wanted to go look for chittle deer, he had no faith. He didn't think I was going to pull it off. And but when I sent the photos through, he was gobsmacked. <laughs> yeah, that's a tasty deer. It is. It's a very tasty deer. That's a, that's a very tasty deer. In fact, that might be. I, I think that might be my favourite deer to eat. Chittle. There. Um. I I had a chance for, for one up in um, North Queensland, but it didn't come off. So um, on on what was what we commonly referred to me and my mate as the the, the seven-day farm stay when we went pig hunting in North Queensland for seven days and didn't see a pig in the whole seven-day of guided hunt. Oh, yeah. World's, yeah, greatest, <laughs> world's greatest farm stay we, we became, we was referred to. So, didn't yeah, I took a group. I took a group of five or six to this um, very well-described deer block out Texas way, and uh, it was. I think we must have handed over about fifteen or sixteen hundred bucks to go walking around old mate's farm. There was nothing there. Even in, even when we first got there, 
<laughs> we told them that we were from uh, a deer club and um, we, we were pretty keen to go and chase down some deer in the back of the property somewhere where hopefully no one and his wife popped up and said, oh, we haven't seen deer here for years. <laughs> and I'm like, what? you've advertised it as a deer flock. <laughs> oh, what? This is no good. We did find some prints, so there must have been some around somewhere. But, oh, so unfair. <laughs> Yeah, me and Tim did a. Uh, I think it cost us fifteen hundred bucks each, or maybe eighteen hundred bucks each. That was your guided one. It was guided, fully, fully, the whole lot. You know, it was the full guided tour. You know, the whole lot. It's all supposed to, you know, hot barrels, bring ammo. <laughs> you get sore shoulders. Twelve hours a day, bounced around the back of you. Didn't see a pig. <laughs> Didn't see a pig. Saw, saw some chill. Saw him at distance. Oh. Saw it, that's it. That's it, Pete. Yeah, oh, well, but it was a. Uh, it, it it turned pretty sour, actually. It was a. Uh, it was a uh, one of those life life experiences, you know. So certainly put me off guided hunt for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's I mean. Any big plans for you in terms of the hunting other than, you know, are you, is there, you know, we, we spoke a little about, you know, North America and things like that, or is it, are you leaning more towards what you're doing in, in, in Australia or are you still keen to, keen to travel? As much as I love the travel and the traveling's hard with two young kids. Mm. So I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards just trying, I like to get my, the, the deer slam done. I've only got to get a rooster deer and a, and a hoggy. So I'd like to buddy spend the next couple of years concentrating on those, and well, there's a heap, yeah. heap of Aussie stuff I want to I want to get onto, but yeah, it's just finding the time and the, and the money to do so. Mm. Have you um, hunted the territory? No, I haven't. I want to, but just yeah, haven't haven't had the opportunity or or, the, or yeah, and, yeah, just haven't had the chance. Oh, that yeah, because we're back there again in twenty four. Mm. That's fantastic. That yeah, if you get a chance, that's a fantastic hunt to do. No, I don't doubt it. Um, just for the just for the sheer sake of you know where you are and, and being there on the ground, it's a pretty spectacular place to be on the ground. Um, you know, we what we did about it. We walked near, I suppose, near a hundred k's over the. Over the time we were there, it's just huge country, and just it was surprising where you where you would find buffalo. You would kind of go, "There's nothing in here. There's no water here, or something like that." And then all of a sudden, there's nothing. Fo- there's no water. There's <laughs> right. no there's no leaves on the trees. It's then, just dead sticks sticking out of the ground, and, and shit then, lives there. And then there's buffalo and antels and antels. That's right. They must eat antels. Buffalo must eat antels. That's all I can yeah. come up with. That's right. And then, and then you know, you come along and there's this, you know, mountain of turds, and you go, they're here. But what, what, where are they, and what are they doing, and what, and what are they eating? Because there's this, it's, it's really, it was quite, quite amazing like that. So certainly, um, so yeah, if you can get up there, by all means, do it. And um, it, uh, I can't wait to get back myself. I've got to figure out what rifle I'm going to take this time though. Oh, yeah, it's definitely yes, on the bucket list. Mm. Oh. They should have the um the barrel for the 9.3 BRX. Well, yeah, they might do. They might have. Though I was talking to um Scott, and I, I'd, I'd like to take a double rifle if I could. 
if we could find one, that'd be pretty. Yeah, shooting double rifle on buffalo, I think, would be pretty spectacular. Double rifle. Yep, double rifle on buffalo. For the uh, non-gun enthusiast in the group, a double rifle sounds like an under and over shotgun with yeah, yeah. a different calibre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But well, generally they're side by side. Generally they're side by side, but you can buy double rifles that are under overs. Um, Bruno used quite to make, an interesting Bruno used can to... with the mark of the with a with a double rifle, and I'll I'll have the tricked up BRX with the with the aim point on the side of a Burris Eliminator. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. So nothing's getting yeah. past us. That's it. Beating a double with a um yeah generally they're side by side um as I said Bruno make a an under over in three seven five that you, you you see occasionally for sale but basically yeah that's it. Of course they spiral supper like that but so that's what's your what's your, your go to Cody? I've uh, my go to is thirty eight six. I got it got it in Seiko Grizzly. Oh okay. Hmm. So just basically a two seventy for grown ups. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's right. You can that's use it. that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. use that one, mate. Two thousand six. Two seventy for grown ups. I'll make it yeah. send straight to Zach. <laughs> that's it. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a damn fine rifle. Well, we're uh, all sporting thirty eight six at the moment. We yeah, are. we are. It. Yeah. Yeah, so it's become my go-to caliber um, by force, but but I love it. It's great. The Lupo, the Lupo, and it's it's been a really really nice uh, rifle, but um, it probably won't come to the territory. I'm, I am hoping the nine point three barrel shows up. I don't know if you know the BRX platform, Cody, but the barrels are interchangeable, so you can you can go up with a thirty oh six, and on Buffalo Day you just swap the barrel and the bolt head out, and off you go with something You're bigger. Right. But they hurt. 9.3s hurt. They don't. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, just need to toughen up. Exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. Don't know at all. Get a bag of cement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too shy to say it hurt. It was a... Well, there's, not much, there's not much difference between shooting a 3006 and a 9.3, really. Yeah, except maybe the projectile's twice as big. Oh, not twice as big. It's not twice as big, but it's I mean, quite a lot bigger. I mean, what grain was it? Two well, one. Uh, one started with a one. You usually shoot one eighty out you, of that. Um, you shot that my. BRX. You shot my. You shot mine that day, didn't you? Because it's only right-handed. That was two eighty. Two eighty six grains. Yeah. Yeah. Two eighty six grains versus a one eighty. Yeah. Hmm. I have a bit more punch. And the length of pull was different. Anyway, I'm not going to go into why. I just hear excuses. It's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm nearly over it. <laughs> Mate, you'll get in that You'll get in that switch barrel and you'll be whacking around through it with that straight pull. You won't even know what's going on until you've emptied them, until you've fired four of them. Mate. And then I you'll don't go. Know. As hopeless as I am at sighting in rifles. You go to a range, the rifle's the rifle's already sighted in, it's shot numerous deer, you go to the range and it's not working. You don't know why. And two two boxes of ammo later, I'm still trying to figure out why I can't hit the target. Oh, yeah. Uh, something goes wrong with I got gremlin. Yeah. I don't want to do yeah. that with a 9.3. I'm sorry. 
nah, you don't want to chase them. That's the that's the worst thing. Yeah, I hate when 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 that has happened. I hate that you kind of go, is it me? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's when you put that rifle and you grab something else and think about happy thoughts for a while and then come back to it later on. Yeah, yeah, we got there in the end, didn't we, Jono? We got there, mate. Yeah, <clears throat> we got there. I, yeah. I had to jump. I had to jump in and help you with that one. You didn't want to shoot it anymore. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can. Take care I hate. I hate when that happens. Happened to me once with a uh, um, lever action, and what we realised was that it's just the the uh, projectile size. If we went when we went up to a heavier projectile, all of a sudden it was shooting straight. It just couldn't. Yeah. Strange enough, it just couldn't handle a lighter projectile. It had a you know a particular weight. Well, that's what happened. Bit favoured. That was it. To you. Yeah. That's what happened yep. to you. Because you you went from one eighties to one fifties. One seventies. One seventies. Yeah, we went from one eighties to one seventies. Didn't like it at all, uh, and it was okay with one fifties. Mm. Once we switched it back to the one fifties, it was fine. Off we went. Anyway, like I said, enough about the grizzling. I just thought it. Was- it was interesting. Oh, you've got okay. a, um, I was going to say, Cody, you've got a Sour 100 as well, don't you? That's all a post about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't actually shot it. Oh, I, haven't I, haven't, I haven't found the time to, I haven't found the time to put a scope on it or put rounds through it yet. I've just, yeah, just trying to really get enough dollars saved up to put the scope one on it to. Give it a go. It's six point five PRC. Ah. So so I, I actually I bought that through the um, charity auction for my Gibson. And I saw it and I bought it. just put in a bid for it and managed to get it. So. Gee, that's an interesting caliber for that rifle setup. That's a yeah. Wow, I'd be keen to see that one. Actually, um. I haven't seen that caliber and that kind of more of a you know traditional hunting style rifle. That's quite interesting. What what's yeah, well, you want to put on it? Um, I know that that particular caliber is sort of meant to be a good long range sort of rifle. So mm. I'm sort of looking at something on the looking at range side of things. So like I'm not told maybe like a Sawaski or one of the. Boris Eliminators, I'm not totally sure yet. I'm still sort of doing me research and whatnot. Mm. What's that um, new Boris one that we saw at the um, Hillcrest? Was it Hillcrest? That um, Aimpoint Day and the, the Boris Night thing where uh, it's 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 one that you um, oh. you use the smartphone with it. What was that one? Was it? It was, was similar to what's <laughs> Veracity. Veracity. Boris yep. Veracity. Veracity. Have a look at that. It's a it's a target scope, real real setup yeah, right, for yeah. long range. It's quite interesting. You know, you use the phone and it does all the ballistic calculations for you and all that kind of stuff. It's got um yeah okay, really fancy coloured uh, turrets. They were like bright blue or something, weren't they? Yeah. Boris veracity. John, have so- you um? Have you have you been on Cody's latest um, memes while we've been chatting away? Because I've just no, ordered we... you a, a pack of squid jigs, mm-hmm. mate, for our Fraser trip. Oh, have you? <clears throat> I did. Uh, I, I haven't been on now, but I have seen those ones. That's yeah. I did see. Cody's, 
Oh, he's frozen. I can't even see his reaction. He's gone. No, he's looking at, he's looking at Boris. He's looking at Boris Scopes. I gotta look at this. What's he posting? Oh, the uh, the squid jigs. Yeah, yeah there he oh, is. pretty funny. For those that are listening, uh, the squid jig is sure to impress your mates next time you've got your fingers wrapped tightly around your rod. A guarantee to get in on some uncontrollable squirting squid. Order right now for an incredible offer of $70 and we'll chuck in a tube of strategic, tricky device lubricant or better known as STD lube. It's yours today. I wanted to know what the postage was worth, but <laughs> we've lost him. And I don't know if he's coming back. Well, he, was, Very well. he, he jumped online to look at Scopes <laughs> cut out. Yeah. So he's, he's, uh, he's oh, other made a decision that Scope, Scope's more important to us or he's going to get back in. But he's dropped out. He'll be back. Here we go. Sorry about that. Hey. 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 It, helps it, plug, it helps if you plug it in, mate. Yeah, it's plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> We thought we thought we thought you'd found a special on scopes, and you said, "I'm leaving, I'm getting that scope." Seems as I was, I could just see the corner of the very thing flashing, just going shit. way he charges like right at the other end of the house. Okay. No problem. We're just trying to so, figure out what the postage and handling. More, more, more importantly, probably the handling uh, price of your squid jigs was. <laughs> and, uh, that might be an extra buddy. Right. Postage would have been free, in my opinion. The handling might cost more. <laughs> Fair enough. There we go. Yeah, definitely, definitely the handling would cost a bit more. Yeah. Squid jigs. Uh, I'm trying to order a pack to send to Jono. He'll, um, I'm sure he'll enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Just use the code send up, mate, to get 10% off. 10%? There you go. Too good. That reminds me of a... Um, you could try this out on Zach. He won't listen to this, so... We can tell everyone about it. My, uh, will, one of, one of, will one of my tell mates, him. One of, one of my mates, uh, he, he, he sent me a message saying, oh, such and such called. Can you give him a ring back? It's just during, during work hours. I said, yeah, no worries. So I rang, and uh, it was the herpes hotline. That was his, his funny joke um, that I'd rung back the herpes hotline. Well, oh, herpes I listened hotline. to the herpes hotline herpes. message, and at the end of it, it said, for a free sample pack, Please leave your address in the in the voicemail at the end. So I left his address um, to his workplace <laughs> at the end of it. And um, unfortunately, he was in one of those workplaces that the secretary opens all the mail before it gets put on their desks. <laughs> so this poor bastard gets a herpes pack opened by the hot secretary. And I thought that was mm. the funniest thing. But he man, he got so shitty. Mm. But <laughs> I need to find Zach's line of work then. I know on the herpes hotline and. He, um, Send send Zach so. a pack. Send him a pack, and I'll send the center my boys a pack. I think they'll get a kick out. There you go. That's it. The herpes pack. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> not worth thinking about, is it? Not not that we want to waste their um, important resources, but it'll help educate people. <clears throat> it's worth doing. Uh, so have you? Um, went, uh, you go, Mark. You go. No, go on. I was gonna. I was, I was gonna say. I was gonna... What? Oh, that was... Go, go, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, I saw a post with you with Hainsey. <clears throat> How do you know Hainsey? Yep. Um, through Zach. 
that's like how I sort of and Hainsy Hainsy came up here during the the hunt with Brett Meldrum, and Brett Meldrum lives in this part part of the world as well. So Hainsy hit me up just going, "Hey, like I'm going to be near you. Do you want to catch up?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So you can't. We I organised lunch at my place, so we had Cads, Lara, and Hainsy all here for lunch and talked hunting shit for the day before he jumped in the car and did his big trip back to back to South Australia with his fellow buck. He does some miles, eh? He does. Oh, he, he doesn't switch off. He's Not a unit. Yeah. And now, I might have my wires crossed here, but Matt's mystery story about disappearing deer or deer travelling at great oh, distances. Yeah. You, you, you're involved in that story somehow, aren't you? I'm involved in it because I shot two, two bucks and... And that's how he made made the connection when he told that story. Oh, okay, so explain that to me. Yeah. So, like, I um, I went. I was looking for. A, there's a big mountain boar getting around, and I've been trying to f- find him and f- get him on the ground. And as I was getting out, I came across a batch of mob of bucks. So I picked picked what I thought was the biggest of the mob and shot it, and he rolled over, and there was a. Nice chocolate one there that turned out to be a little bit bigger, and I, but he took a crack at him and dropped him as well, and oh, I got the trophy photo and put the two bucks together and sent it to Matt, and he's like, I've got the st- story of how I lost my buck because um the block that he was hunting with he shot a buck one day, and then when he was going back to butcher that buck, the buck that Matt saw that morning went and bedded up near the dead buck and he shot both of them. Mm. The bloke that he was, the Blackfoot Designs fellow, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. But yeah, then like that's how Matt made that connection. So like, oh, he shot two bucks and you shot two bucks. Okay. Because oh, I, I thought you were, you might have been, you know, there or something. Because where it was, it's it's a point of contention. The 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 you know the the buck that moves from one place to the other and all that stuff. So we thought I was hoping we we're going to get a bit a bit more insight in that, but it's still going to remain. No, a mystery, unfortunately, I, I wasn't there to to add my spin on the story. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I was hoping hoping to yeah, get another you, take on the story. You did you did chat to him on his podcast though about it. I think that's where we were listening in, mm. and, and 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 I was. I was, I think I was sitting in the car on my way down to Brisbane, and you guys were yakking on about it, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no." There's no way that that is the same buck. No, no, no. Anyway, the evidence is pretty good. I have to say, it's um, it does. Like, if I hadn't seen the photos now and the videos and all of that sort of stuff that's gone with it, I'd I'd be pretty skeptical. I'm still skeptical, but. It's convincing evidence. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I can't, I can't question it. As I've, I've got buddy, really not nothing to argue with it. So like, I'm not gonna buddy tell him he's full of shit. <laughs> I told him he's full of shit, um, but, I'm, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. The, the evidence is good, but um, we have seen the video. Um, we did get it sent to us so that we've. Sort of had a look at it, but far out. It's um, James, I think. It's close. From Blackfoot, isn't close. it? Yeah. Uh, it's close. It, it, well, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a, 
yeah, if you if you're gonna make you know, if you measure it on the weight of probability, you might say, mm, I don't know, but if you measure it on the weight of um of evidence that they can provide, then it does kind of Yeah. Go, okay. Yeah. yeah. You, okay, you, sure. You weren't gonna you weren't gonna call bullshit on it, but what was your what was your initial thought? I was going, oh, yeah, no, that's, you know, that's a good story. That's a good yarn. I just didn't go deep thinking into it to go, hang on. I just thought, oh, that's a, that's a cracker of a story. But he, he got two bucks and you didn't get any. <laughs> See, that's different. We, we, we didn't come with that. We didn't, we didn't approach it from that way, but that's actually a really good word. That's a, that actually makes it a much more entertaining story. About how one bloke got two bucks and you got none, and the other guy got none. I think that's a that's a that's a good spin on it. Yeah. <laughs> I what I heard was uh, Matt Cody said bullshit. That's what we heard. Um, <laughs> no, I, I have to. I have to. Oh yeah, I don't know. It, the pictures sort of are the evidence. One does kind of half look like it could be slightly less mature, but. Hard to tell. It's very hard. To tell. Oh, very hard to tell. Anyway, yeah, and there's that. Um, I mean, look, there's a uh, there's a um strong evidence that if you want something to look like something, it generally that's what you know. You'll you'll find you'll take the photo that and the angles to support that. You know what what you believe. As I said. People who see Jesus in the clouds take a photo of it. They don't drive ten kilometers to take a photo from a different angle to disprove it. They take the photo to prove it. So it's hard to um, it's hard to measure these things without actually, you know, without without being there. So after seeing all that photo evidence and the videos, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards. Well, it was just a very very fast traveling buck who wanted to get the bed really quick, and that's what happened. Hmm. Well, everyone's gone quite com- contemplative. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was watching the video again. <laughs> I, was right. watching, I was watching the video again, but I, I don't have too much to compare it to. So anyway, no. we'll leave that one alone. It's one of those mysteries that will remain well, unsolved. I've got nothing to add to it, so I'll, cause I haven't seen the photos or the video or anything. So, oh, haven't you? No. Oh, they're not mine. They're not mine to share, but I'll um uh, publicly anyway. I'll, I'll fling them your direction though, and you can, you yeah. can make your own assumptions. Do my own investigation. There yeah. go. Yeah, it. It, it does. It looks compelling. Is is the answer? It's compelling. Uh, do you weigh Do you weigh in on the um on the duck debate down south? Is it something you've you've experienced or or had had a run at? It's that's another bucket list thing I'd like to do. Is I like to get into try out the duck hunting and and I've um. I really don't can't say I really know enough yeah. to weigh in on it. Like when it comes to things like chopper coals, like well, we get chopper coals here, and like I'm willing to buddy argue and have a whinge about that. But when it comes to like things like duck shooting and whatnot, so like, oh, well, I'm not, I don't have enough teeth in it to really argue with it. But like if there's people up in arms about it, then I'm well, obviously there's got to be a reason for it, so I'm willing to back them up. Yeah, so more probably closer to home than you talk about tropicals. Um, you're obviously getting a fair bit of that around your around where you live. Are they targeting your private properties as well? They were at a time they were. Then 
I think it was during the rut last year. They were only meant to be doing state forest. And then I've had multiple hunters who hunt in the area that I'm in message me saying that they, they were watching choppers fly over private property to chase the deer off it into state oh, forest to shoot at them. Like we had an incident here, like the old boy gave him, gave the DPI. No, it's not DPI, it's LOS, it's local land services that do the tropical tea. He gave them the thumbs up to do the deer cult. Main reason being was that he was afraid if you, if you don't get with the program and there comes a problem with wild dogs and stuff like that, then they might not be as willing to help you with that problem. So he was sort of jumping on board with the program to get rid of that fear. But the condition was that they were not to shoot any deer where there was livestock. And all they went through and they apparently they got a colossal amount of deer. But when I went back and checked it later, they didn't get any. Like I checked the paddocks they were meant to be shooting in and never found a carcass until I went into a paddock that had a couple cows and calves in there and there was a dead stag among them. And then they rang Dad up asking permission for him to go back and collect the head. I promptly told him to go get stuffed. So. <laughs> Yeah, wow. So that's okay. my buddy running with um with with choppers and while they've got a sour taste in my mouth. Mm. So I mean, if you can, and it might be hard for you to do, but to, to divorce yourself from your from your um from that, which is you know obviously that's a really personal thing that's happened to you, you know, specifically happened to you with when you're you know with your immediate family. Do you think it's uh, an effective means of of knocking feral deer over? What do you think? Is it is it is it because you know? I mean, from a hunting point of view, you don't like it because it's you know culling and you don't want to see deer getting culled, which is fair enough. You know, we 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 have we put a different value on deer, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only the only the only viewpoint here. So I've become more and more interested. Is is it actually an effective method? You know, is it, is it, is it, does it do what it's supposed to do? What do you think about that? Is it an effective, is it an effective method of culling deer where deer populations, you know, honestly require culling? I won't deny that a chopper culling can play a place in wild deer management in the place, but they obviously don't have the hunter's knowledge to know what, when they go, cause they're doing it during the rut, mm. which is if you want to get big numbers and I can call a lot of big numbers, you need to be doing it due to sort of during the winter months when you've got great big mobs of hinds. Like I've seen mobs go from 18 red deer to mobs of 40. Mm. So if you want to make effective, you sort of want to be aiming at big mobs of hinds, during the winter months rather than buddy go out during the rut and shooting one or two that's on the prowl looking for mm. other deer. So like the, I feel like at the time when they were doing coals during the rut, I thought I was just a means to buddy prevent hunters from mm. getting onto public land to access a, a thing that everyone should have a right to be able to do and, but yeah, in short, it, it does play a part, but I feel like there needs to be 
often a bit better communication between government organisations and clubs and groups to sort of get a bit of, bit of understanding. But whether everyone's willing to come to the table, that's sort of hard to know. There needs to be some reasonable recognition that hunters play a part. You know, every time this conversation comes up, hunters get excluded as a as a uh, a means to supporting the effort, um, and maybe by definition, hunters are selective. You know, maybe if there was a colours group, it would be different. Maybe it's the shooters. I don't know, but you know, um, if you were to to, to take Mark's question about it being an effective way of um, managing deer, um, if they took the same money that went into the choppers, time, effort, fuel, all of that, the cost of that, and put that money into other culling methods that involved groups like hunters that you know were willing to go and do this work, I wonder how much more effective those means would be than, than a helicopter. A helicopter is effective because they're allowed to do it. You know, you That's can hang out of it exactly and you can right. check something. If no one else is allowed to do it, how do you measure the effectiveness against that something that, else? That, 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 that's kind of exactly where my thinking's, you know, going. Mm. So you kind of go, helicopter culling is the most effective method, says a statement. And you kind of go, okay, makes <laughs> sense. But how do you me- against what measure? Yeah. It is the most effective, you know. Hel- is it? Is the question? Is the statement helicopter uh, culling is the most effective helicopter culling there is when it comes to helicopter culling? You know, we're kind of an- you're kind of answering your own question, and you know, so that's what you know. Having you, you know, ha- seeing it firsthand, it's interesting to get it. And that point you made about when you're culling too, because I used to hunt down below Willow Tree there in. New South Wales, and you know, I yeah, saw more. There. I saw more, more bucks in in winter, and anyone when you know, especially fellow when they when they basically turn into big bachelor mobs, and they're all together. You know, there's so that would make actually, if you wanted to kill more deer, that's when you would go. You know, you you would go when they're all rafted up, rather than during the rut where they're you know, when through their behaviour they're they're trying to not be together. I can guarantee there's probably someone listening right now says, shut up, you're giving them too much information. Oh, mate, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, look, I, I, I might be the smartest black in the room, but it, it's a very small room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Really, I, I, don't think, I don't think what we're talking about here is like secret, secret deer hunting business. We know that, you know, basically two minutes of reading know that fellow tend to, you know, raft up at certain times and then at other times they don't. And so if you were going to, that's one of so I think it's a really good point you talk about when they're culling and effectiveness of culling. And you know, some of the stuff that came out of um uh I think it came out of Tasmania where they where they were talking about culling and they were talking about, you know, what Ian was mentioning for about strike rates, about how many, you know, how many on average how many bullets are used to kill a you know, how many shots are fired to kill a deer. Um, and I, there was something about when they did a goat cull, and it was something like they were basically them goats were like six thousand bucks a pop. Those goats, yeah. you know, they they, they they were they were like Northern Territory Barramundi, you know, they were, they, they just kept making money off them. So you won. There must there's a you know I think there's a question and not about there's a, obviously there's an ethical question that hunters are challenged by, 
But there must be also a question about effectiveness. Is this the most effective? And I think your your post about, you know, the idea that shotguns are more effective than rifles, well, yeah, that might be the case, but what are you measuring that effectiveness against? What's the measure? And we don't well, really know, we know what case, the, you don't really know what the measure is, so you can say, yeah, it's effective, you know. I think that in that case they were comparing it to a guy with one fruit with a three hour weight when they mm. were with the shotgun they were comparing that to a guy with a shotgun and another guy with a three hour weight with, with yeah. a thermal scope so like the technology was different for in the comparison so it was like an unfair comparison yeah and and again and what were they what were they generally what were they measuring effectiveness against was it shot per shop you know shot per deer yeah. and all those kind of things so so i think that's that's an interesting state again you know it's kind of like saying you kind of are we really measuring the, the the what we're supposed to be measuring here, or are we measuring the peripheries to say that to kind of justify the decision that's already been made? Mm. I think it's uh, and I mean, as you said, you know, since yeah. you're seeing it firsthand, it's good to get feedback because it's certainly a contentious issue. Mm. Yeah, I think like, like the whole feral deer action plan, like I I haven't heard it from like. I go, everyone says, oh, you need to get on and listen to it. I, I sort of ignored it because I knew eventually if it's going to get legs, buddy, the, the farming community is going to talk about it. I thought it will get in the land. It eventually came up on the country hour, so that's why I listened to it. And, like, right off the bat, buddy, they were bad-mouthing hunters, like, called recreational hunters. Mm. Now, bad-mouthing is like, oh, they only go out, buddy, stalking, they only shoot one deer. Like, they're not mean effective enough. And, unfortunately, that's the stereotype that's been made over the years like you go out during the run you want to get the big stag mm. like not it the or unless you're like a dedicated meat hunter like that might be a bit different but like it's a stereotype that's yeah. has some truth to it but in it that sort of needs to change and there's a thing i've been wanting to write an article about it and don't did haven't quite sure how to bring it on but there's a thing in farming well not even a lot of farmers know it, but there's a term called DSC, which is called dry sheep equivalent. And it's a rating yep. system yep. used for the land to know how much stock the land your, your property can tolerate. It's a unit so, measure, isn't it? Yeah, is it it's a unit of the measurement for, for the ground like buddy two DSC an, an acre, so which like you could run two dry merino weathers on an acre. So in these on the eastern side of the country, or even far west, like like western Western Australia, where you've got that good feed country, like the you got smaller acres, but the DSE rating's pretty good. Yep. Where when you go yep. further out, like that's usually why you get big stations out in the territory, or big stations mm -hmm. out in Western New South Wales, South Australia, because the the more acres, because it's a less DSE, so you it might take like 10 acres to support one DSE. So I thought if you can educate hunters the understanding of DSE and like what's, what what would a red deer be, it might be worth, well, I won't be getting the numbers right, but this is just an example. Like it could be two DSE. So, well, the properties are only good enough to run, we'll say 100 DSE. There's already 50 head of cattle. In fifty one cow would be worth two DSE, so it's already at maximum capacity, and obviously the land can't, can't handle that many more deer 
And of course, when it's an El Nino coming up now, so that DSE rating is going to drop because the feed quality is going to disappear. So obviously the land won't be able to handle mm-hmm. that as well. And that's where farmers sort of, these dry conditions now will make farmers get the shits even more. It's like, well, bloody deer are eating all the feed. If you can get that level right, so well, if you can get the levels right, so like there's a, you've shot enough deer that the deer can stay on the land and the farmers not get the shits. And that's a win. And that's how I've been managing my properties around home. And that was like the deal I made with dad. And he goes, when dry times come, you need to let loose and shoot more deer. But then he's, he's allowed me to manage it that way to keep deer on the landscape. But like I can, but you know, when times get tough, there needs to be less deer. And when times are good, then like the, the deer can be left alone. Mm. It's interesting. Um, what you said before about um, hunters being painted with a um, with the brush that says we're selective and we just go and shoot one animal, right? I actually don't see that as a major problem because you might shoot one animal each time you go out. Maybe you go out five times a year. Maybe you're not successful every time. Maybe you only shoot four. Um, but if you've got a million hunters. It's a lot of deer. Yeah. And it's a hell of a lot more than those chopper cows are getting. Well. Um, so, you know, having, having, having the groundswell of hunters out there being part of the solution, um, one or two per hunters, not bad numbers. <coughs> the numbers that I saw out of um, Victoria, they talked about an average of somewhere around um, six or seven deer per hunter, per license hunter as an average, which I thought was an extraordinary amount. Um, but I don't think that's a major issue. I think just recognizing that hunters are part of the solution. You know, it's not maybe not our solution. We're helping them anyway. Um, and as Mark's put it plenty of times, we're paying for the privilege. Yeah. We pay for the privilege to be there. We pay for everything along the way. You know, it doesn't cost the taxpayer, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on about this for hours. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just find that interesting. It is because if you look at you know, the numbers, and they're not made-up numbers, the the numbers of, you know, the game, what's it, the Game Management Authority in Victoria, is that the, the GMA, is it? Yeah. You know, they basically say there's 120,000 deer killed every year by hunters. And so I believe, and I, I'm happy to be proven wrong, I believe that is the single greatest kill of any deer in the country. Mm, absolutely. By so, that, so that that group, and 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 doesn't you know and it you know and it and it, when when you're looking at kill numbers, it, it it negates how many deer are killed by per hunter because if the the program is to ultimately kill deer, well, there's one hundred and twenty thousand deer dead. So that that group is the most effective, cost effective way of killing deer, and but the the. Then we get into the weird and wonderful world of, you know, we we leave logic behind and we get into the world of politics. But when we say, well, you don't kill them for the right reason, you know, you kill them for, as recreational hunters. We just want to kill them because they're pests. And you yeah. kind of go, well, dead's kind of dead, you know. <laughs> but if you want them dead, there's a group of, if you want dead deer, there's a group yeah. of people over there that are killing a lot of deer, you know. They might not. They might not 
might not mm. a, you know, agree with you about a lot of things, but the outcome is still the same. There's still a lot of dead deer on the ground. So um, mm. it's, you know, yeah. that's the, and I, I really like that idea of, you know, what you you were talking about there about, you know, the a hunt, educating hunters to understand about load. I think that's, that's a real, that's a, I really like that idea. I think that's a real takeaway to say, okay, think about this property, not now as how big it is, but think about this property is in terms of load. So this property, it's in a really good part of the country. You know, it's in the new England or something like that. It's we're in, we're not in El, you know, El, El Nino, we're in La Nina. The load on this property is, you know, per acre is pretty high, but in three years time, it might be really, really low. And that's actually, that's a quite a nice way of describing it really, thinking about what is the load that property can take? What's the, so what's the, the total load? What's the load the farmer's gonna put on through livestock? So what's the end? And then that gives you an idea of how much, how many deer this property needs to have it removed. So both populations can, can, can coexist. And it's not just limited to deer as well. Like yeah, part, part of the problem yeah. would be like it's it's you can put it towards pigs and can, kangaroos. Like they, I mean, kangaroos mm. cause just as much, but he taking grazier feed as deer do. Mm. So, like, so we can say like a, a, an eastern grey kangaroo could be worth buddy one or one point five DSC. So like, and you you got a mob of buddy forty, fifty of them buddy crawling across the hill. Like that's gonna would be a tough load to take on, and I don't, that's yeah. It's a really, no, it's a really interesting way to think about it in terms of you know from a sustainability point of view. What is the load here, and what's what's the you know what's the what's the base load, which is you might say the livestock, and then what's what's left, and what gets in the in the levels of competition. Um, you could probably say that it would be it would be smart for them to even apply that to state forests in a way. Say okay, what's his public land load? What's you know? So you could then say okay, deer hunters, we need more deer taken out of this particular public land area, or this one, you know, you might be able, you might be able to scale it back because this one's got a higher load rating and it hasn't got as many deer per acre that it can support, while this one um, has got more deer that it can practically support. It's a good idea. But that's. I mean yeah, that's well, that's them bordering on the the US system, really. If you think about it, yeah, that's it. Do. That's it. It's it. Yeah. But I mean, the thing about the US system, the trouble with the US system is that everyone else who knocks it here in Australia thinks it can't work here because it's you know dead natives and this is feral animals and you know there's a million reasons why it can't work. I like what you're saying because it's actually just saying, okay, what's load here? What, you know? Yeah, so as far as like taking on like the national park and state forest thing, like that's gonna be hard to do and hard to oh, translate yeah. the people. Oh, sure, but yeah. like if oh, you yeah. take the agricultural approach, like for guys that have got access to private land, like up in Queensland, near or anywhere, like even even like South Australia, because like that's where all the trouble is, and that's all private land hunting down there too. If you could take that approach to say this is where we want the numbers to be, like if, and I think that's where rather than I like go for flat out like extermination, which is seems to be the mindset that the government employed fellas seem to have, it should be like go ahead, shoot a couple, but like give us a number where you're happy. Mm. 
for it to be. And then he's like, if you're dealing with the prop, property owner, just going, there's a couple. Like, if you can knock over a few, then not, I'll be happy. Hmm. Even if like, if I, I hate spotlighting deer, but if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. But yeah, like if you you keep the farmer happy, then you're you're gonna be welcome back, and it's and you're still gonna find deer for yourself and for your mates when you take them out, or even for the kids when you decide yeah. to take them out. So it's an interesting concept, mate. I, I think it's well worth considering. You know, the, the side it gives it a different um, perspective. We got a fact check to throw at you. Ooh. Found the post by our good friend, Mr. Craig Golding. Uh, 711 deer humanely destroyed by 4,588 rounds. That's 6.45 shots per deer. That's it. That's what I remember reading that. Is that it was more than a magazine. So, you know, like the Tikas have a 4-1. So yeah. technically, <laughs> recreational hunters couldn't achieve that because they go run out of ammo. Yeah. I note, I note that the, so there's a whole list of things that happened over the 72 hours and the hundred and something thousand hectares. Um, but they did say that as per standard operating procedures, every deer was, had, was compulsory. It was, comp it was compulsory for them to shoot every deer three times dum, dum, dum. as part of their operating procedures. So uh, that means they missed every six. second one. Yeah. Dum, 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 dum. So bang, 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 and then give another bang, bang, bang. Mm. At a cost of how Always. many dollars per bull? Oh, there's no, uh, no costings. No costings in that in that report. Yeah, um, yeah that, admitted that. Didn't but anyway, I, I, I someone, some I, I did meet someone. Actually, you, I think you were there, Jono, when we were down in Pilligoo once, and we were talking to someone. I won't mention his name. Who worked for the? Who was involved mm, in the helicopter yeah. he, he he was saying something around ten k an hour. Hmm. So yeah, it's not cheap. Well, no, it's a helicopter, mate. <laughs> they're not cheap to run. Anyway, it's a it's a shitty subject. It's going to continue going uh, around yeah. around in circles. That if the if the action plan gets up, there'll be probably more of it because it'll become procedural and, and, and advice to councils but um hopefully hopefully we can um help influence them as a as a hunting group don't know how that's going to happen but that's the goal right yeah you only do what you can so mm, that's right. mate we'll throw over you since you in, it gave us the intro why don't you do us an outro oh shit well, yeah. i don't even know how to do that one either <laughs> Oh, hang on. Um, I'm just going to sit up. I'm ready. That's it. I thought, yeah, I thought you were going. You are leaving. Okay. No, no. Say so uh, last words, buddy. You get last words. Um, what I, listeners, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Hunter's Campfire podcast. I'm Cody Guerin. I suppose you boys introduce yourselves and yeah, say goodbye, Cody I suppose. Guerin. That's the most professional outro we've ever Mate, had. Mate, it's shit, buddy. You're, no, no wonder everyone's inviting you on. <laughs> I think we'll get them to record our intro, and we can yeah. uh, we can use it from now on. It'd be great. Hey, it's been a good I, chat, mate. It's been, yeah, it uh, it's, been, it's been fun having you on. And uh, yeah, sorry for the little yeah. clip in the middle there, but no, oh, no, no we, right. we we that's we used to talk about fishing when you went here, so that's it. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
adds to the to suspense. Listen, you'll, have to, you'll have to listen um, to to the recording to hear what we said about you. That's it, mate. Just adds to the suspense <laughs> of the show. Uh, <laughs> mate, appreciate your you time. Get this dopey ginger prick on. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah. So okay. Well, I think we're done. We're done. Yep. Thank you yep, again. We're done. Keep in touch. Yep, it was a pleasure. Uh, go go easy on us on the um on the shit posting. No, go Appreciate hard. It. Go hard. <laughs> you go heard hard. it, mate. Thank. Go easy. Go hard. Thanks, mate. Thank okay. you. Thanks, mate. All right. See you guys. See you, mate.